once we come to this new relationship with God by grace through faith, it sets us free. It sets us free from trying to please God by our works and through legalistic rules. It sets us free from our flesh and our selfishness. It sets us free to be servants. It sets us free to be reconcilers of others. It sets us free to be who God created us to be so that we might bear spiritual fruit. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Galatians. Let's listen as J.P. gives us part one of Work of Man or Work of God. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Galatians chapter 6, please? We are going to be finishing our study in the book of Galatians this morning. As I've been telling you over the last couple of months that we've been studying this book, this is one of the first letters written in the New Testament. And it deals with the first kind of controversy that the early church faced, which is the most important issue, and it's the issue of salvation. Is salvation going to be a a result of our cooperation and adding to what God has done, our works, Or is it going to be solely a work of God? That was the issue that the early church faced. And for them in their historical context, it had to do with people coming out of the religion of Judaism. So the issue was being in a relationship with God, uh, begun by what Christ has done, but added to and perfected by our keeping the law and observing religious ritual. The early church said... It is not that at all. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. This was the message of God from the beginning. Because what's argued for in the New Testament, especially in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians, is that all the way back to Abraham, who was the first Jew, the pattern of salvation was set. Because it says that by faith, it was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. He believed God, you see. Galatians is a book that basically tells us That there are only two ways that we can try to approach God through our works or through what God has done for us. If we try to approach God through our works, it ends in condemnation and shame and guilt and death. But when we come to God on the basis of what Christ has done for us, and we trust in Christ, and we, we surrender our lives to Christ, then his grace transforms us, and that transformation is an inside out job. And so Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and chapter 6 that once we come to this new relationship with God by grace through faith, it sets us free. It sets us free from uh, trying to please God by our works and through legalistic rules. It sets us free from our flesh and our selfishness. It sets us free to be servants. It sets us free to be reconcilers of others. It sets us free to be who God created us to be so that we might bear spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says against those things, there's no law. Now we come to the very end of this book, the end of chapter 6. And what Paul says in his final parting words is that it all comes down to the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ is the clarifying event in all history. The cross of Jesus Christ is the equalizing event for all of us. And it should be the defining event for us as followers of Jesus. When I, uh, when I was in high school, I always thought that what I wanted to do was to be a football coach. Going through 
college, that was still my aspiration. And in fact, it wasn't until I took a speech class in college that I began to actually think about maybe God had a different plan for my life. In the speech class, we, uh, we had to give various speeches and persuasive speeches. And uh, our professor really appreciated the oratory style of Billy Graham. In fact, one of the things that we studied in looking at the sermons and speeches of Billy Graham was that from the very beginning of his message, he began to close towards the invitation. He invited people to make a decision from the very beginning of his messages. And we analyzed how he did that because as Billy would say, to make no decision is to make a decision. (laughs) Following the pattern of Billy Graham... I want to let you know that the close of this message is towards making a decision. I I want all of us to consider the cross of Jesus Christ and what are we going to do about that? What is our response? Because some of us here this morning, some of us here this morning need to do business with God and be reconciled to God. And the cross is what takes away the barrier of our sin so that we can be friends with God. Many of us need to Give our lives to Christ for the very first time. It's the cross that makes that possible. Others of us here have come to that point of decision, but for whatever reason, we've drifted away from it. And we need to be brought back to the cross and brought back to our relationship with God as central in our lives. Some of us here this morning are wrestling with some temptation or some struggle or some conflict or some call of God on our life, and we're trying to decide, are we going to surrender or not? And the cross of Christ is what puts before us that there's no other life of freedom and grace than a life fully surrendered to Christ and what he's done for us through the cross. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey this morning, I want you to ask, God, what's the decision you need to make? What's your response to the cross? This is what Paul says in the book of Galatians. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Just stop there. Paul wrote most of his letters through an amanuensis, a secretary, uh, because he had some kind of eye problem. It was either an eye infection or possibly when he was persecuted and stoned for his faith and large rocks were dropped upon him. It impacted his vision and he couldn't see well enough to write. But here in Galatians, he's saying, this is so important. I'm writing it myself, and I'm having to use really large letters so I can even see what it is that I'm writing to you. It brings all the more the passion and conviction that he had about what he's saying. Verse 12, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Paul's talking about the cross. In fact, this theme is so dominant in his preaching, in his thinking, in his writing, in his very life conviction. He has previously, or in another letter, 
written these words to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach the cross that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This whole message is about the cross of Jesus Christ and the impact it should have on our lives. Looking at Galatians chapter 6, I have four observations. Here's the first one. The cross of Christ puts all religious externals into perspective. The cross of Christ puts all religious externals into perspective. The religious external that was in the historical background of this passage is circumcision. It was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, God gave a promise to Abraham that he would be the human means to bless the entire world, that his seed ultimately who was Christ, but his seed through his descendants would be a blessing to the nations. And God was going to give Abraham a land and, and a, a blessing and a seed. And in Genesis chapter 15, it says Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. And in Genesis chapter 17, God instituted the covenant of circumcision as an outward sign ratifying his promise. But what happened over time was that the Jewish people put more focus on the sign than they did on the promise. And what was a beautiful thing to remind them of God's promise became the very stumbling block from experiencing a vital relationship with God. And so Jesus said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Because what needs to happen is our hearts needs to be transformed. That's what the message of Galatians is all about. We need radical heart surgery from the Holy Spirit, implanting the grace of God within us and the forgiveness of God and the new life of Jesus Christ. And so the sign of circumcision can be a stumbling block, Paul says, when you focus on the sign, not on what it represents. In fact, he even says in this passage, circumcision or uncircumcision, it didn't mean anything. What really matters is this new creation because we believe in the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit's given us new spiritual life. You see, the cross puts all religious externals in perspective. Biblical externals. Circumcision was a biblical external. In the New Testament, we we have two externals which are powerful symbols and signs of our salvation, but can be just like circumcision was to the audience that Paul is writing to. Baptism is a powerful reminder of salvation in Jesus Christ. It is a step of obedience for every follower of Jesus. We here have had wonderful services in, in baptism. Out on the patio, you know, we pull out from the tabernacle the holy pool that we blow up. 
And we've celebrated so many stories of changed lives. You know, we, we're, I'm along with you praying for God to provide us with a permanent facility. But I, I know I will always look back to these services out on the patio here at the school where we so powerfully have seen life change. And the baptism services have been great. And we will continue to do that. But let's not forget what it is that it represents. I'm not picking on you. You just, you know, this is my style. Are you, are you a guest with us today? Yeah, I'm JP. Hi. Nice to see you. Yeah. Hi. See, you see, the folks who come around here know that this is kind of what I do sometimes. I just kind of step off and walk right into your personal space. But Listen, the point is, don't let the symbol become a stumbling block. Let the symbol remind you of the reality. So whether it's circumcision or baptism or the Lord's Supper, how, how awesome is the Lord's Supper where we, we, are, we are following what Jesus said and remembering his body and his blood and, and proclaiming to one another that we believe in Christ alone for our salvation. But every Sunday, you know, in churches across America, people, you know, lean to the left, lean to the right, stand up, sit down, fight, 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 take communion, and it means nothing. It means nothing. It's just some sign. And that's what had happened to the folks in Galatia with circumcision. The cross puts all religious externals in perspective. What really matters is do you have a living, vital relationship with God through Jesus Christ because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. And you understand that and you believe that and you've committed yourself to that and it's changing your life. That's what matters. Here's a second observation. The cross of Christ eventuates the new birth. Eventuates, that's a good word. I try to throw stuff out there, you know, every now and then. I went to college. <laughs> we can have new birth because of the cross. If there was no cross, there could be no new birth. We've been born again spiritually, the Bible says. What causes us to be born again, to have new life, is because Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. The Holy Spirit takes that truth when we believe it in our hearts and implants us within us, and that seed of new life springs up within us. Peter says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable through the living and a Abiding word of God, for all men are like grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 there, and he says, this is the word that was preached to you. Well, what is that word, which is the seed that is implanted within us that causes us to be born again? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the message of the cross that's the seed that is implanted within our hearts that causes us to be born again. And so the cross of Christ is the basis for new life. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay, from now on, we don't regard anybody from a worldly standpoint because we've concluded this, that one died, therefore all died, that they who have died should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It is this understanding that Christ died for us, 
and that we've died with him. And therefore, we have new life. We're a new creation. The cross eventuates this new birth. Here's a third observation. The cross of Christ defines our deepest identity. It defines our deepest identity. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul, Paul says his most fundamental identity was found in the cross. Of all the things he could boast about, he says, may I never boast about anything but this, the cross of Jesus Christ. And through the cross, I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. Paul has said something similar to this over in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He says a similar thing over in Romans chapter six when he says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. If we have been made in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Therefore, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says this historical event of the, of the death of Jesus Christ has far-reaching, far-reaching impact. It has the uh, impact to be the, the basis for our forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead. First. Uh, Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you what was of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. But Paul says, not only is the cross of Christ kind of the, the guts of the gospel, it's the, defining, it's the defining truth of who I am as a person. Because my belief in that not only was the basis to have my sins forgiven, but my belief in that has defined who I am. I am a man who has been crucified to the world and the world to me. In other words, I no longer derive my identity by this world system, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boast of pride of life. I define who I am by the cross. See, do you define who you are by, you know, your education, your career, your marital status, how much money you make, what zip code you live in, what kind of car do you drive? Do you define yourself by all that stuff? Or you define yourself as a person who, because of the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to you and you to the world. That's deep. That's deep. That's why the cross prompts us to make a decision. And to make no decision is to make a decision. Billy was right. Some of us here need to make a decision that because of the cross, we're going to give our lives to Jesus Christ. Some of us have already given our lives to Jesus Christ, but the cross is not defining who we are. We've gotten caught up into the world. Maybe it's the religious world, and we're using things like circumcision and baptism and church membership and rule keeping and stuff that really doesn't matter, but we're using that to define our relationship with God when we should be looking back to the cross as that which defines our relationship with God. Some of us just gotten caught up in the world and we need to come back to the cross. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. 
We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. We come to the end of our study in the book of Galatians, and the Apostle Paul is contrasting synthetic Christianity with authentic Christianity. He's contrasting an external approach to life to an internal approach to life. He's contrasting religion with a relationship, and the presenting issue that Paul is using is the issue of circumcision. At the time that Paul was writing this letter, there were a group of people, the Judaizers, who taught that not only did you need to believe in Jesus, but if you were a Gentile, you had to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. You had to be circumcised, you had to keep the law of Moses, and you had to follow a whole list of religious externals to be rightly related to God. Paul is saying that these things don't matter at all. What really matters is grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, and that true Christianity is energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that we who are really followers of Jesus, we have to crucify ourselves to the world, we have to crucify ourselves to religious externals, we have to crucify ourselves to the old life so that we can experience the new life that is ours in Christ. This is the way Paul wrote it originally to the Galatians. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Paul is saying that circumcision had its great value in the covenant that God established with his people, Israel. It was an external reminder of the internal transformation that God produced. But as followers of Jesus Christ, the external is not the issue. The issue is the internal transformation. If we merely submit to the external ritual without having our hearts changed, it means nothing. In fact, it can be counterproductive because it can lead us into a false approach to Christianity. It can lead us into an approach of living the Christian life, trusting in ourself, trusting in the flesh, which always results in death. The only way to true spiritual transformation is to boast in the cross. You see, the cross is the great equalizer. The cross reminds us that Christ alone is our Savior. The cross reminds us that self must die in order that Jesus can live in us and through us. So Paul said, I boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. There are people in our churches who will try to get us to focus on externals, on legalistic rules. If they were living in Paul's day, they'd be talking about circumcision. But Paul says the only thing that we can talk about and boast about is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is your boast in Christ alone? Is your hope in Christ alone? Is your confidence before God in Christ alone? Are you looking to the cross of Jesus Christ as the only means by which you've been saved? Are you looking to the cross of Jesus Christ as the only means by which you can live the Christian life? 
You see, the Christian life is an exchanged life. Paul said it earlier in the book of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Let's pray. God, thank you that the cross of Jesus Christ sets us free. The cross of Jesus Christ tells us that we're forgiven and accepted and loved. And the cross of Jesus Christ gives me hope to live now and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331, Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before God.